This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Well, I've got a great guest coming on again for a second time, and that is TJ Sanchez. Anybody that's familiar with the hunting industry and is not following TJ and his adventures, you got to make sure to do that. It seems like he is uh, always all over the globe, and I know this year he had an epic elk hunt in Colorado that I'm looking to cover with with him. And uh, TJ also does a ton with Jason Price, who we just had on uh, with GSCO. TJ hosts their podcast, so I'm looking forward to digging in some of the past guests that TJ's had on. Um, just the members that are GSCO guys that he's had on, like Rex Baker and so forth. Some of the stories, I always love hearing those. Looking forward to TJ kind of breaking those down. And, and anybody that's listening to this, if you're looking for a great podcast on some awesome hunt stories, make sure to follow TJ. How you doing today, TJ? Good, man. Good. Uh, not too bad. Just hanging here in Colorado. And uh, yeah, man, looking forward to uh, getting on with you again. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for hopping on. I know you got, you had a... Uh, great fall and let's you know let's just dig right into it because i you guys got to hop over look at tj's social because he's got a picture of this bull that he was able to take in colorado um even more impressive was some of the bulls that you passed up along the way to take this one uh that takes a lot in a person to pass up some of those bulls i can tell you honestly i don't think i would (laughs) have yeah and just to clarify though it is from utah Oh, it's a Utah bull. That's right. Let me grab. It. I can flip this over here. Utah bull. That is right. Yeah. No, I wish I could kill a bull like that in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what unit was that? Oh, uh, that was the Boulder unit, and I actually drew that through you know WTA Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Yeah. Um, uh, if anybody listened to the last podcast, you know I've I've been with you guys for uh, over twenty years. So, um, and it was honestly one of those tags that I didn't think I would ever draw. I mean, I only had. I had 17 points so don't don't hate on me for that <laughs> <laughs> you put you put your time in i did yeah for sure and you know it's i you know i honestly i had a better chance to draw in arizona than i did utah and when i uh i was at a function and i missed a call from eric pollack who who does all my tag stuff and i'm like he only calls me for run i drew something i don't yeah. know what it is and uh so i didn't even listen to the message i, I uh I called him right back. He's like, did you, did you get my message? I said, no. What what I draw? He's like, you drew Boulder muzzleloader. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And uh, I, I was over the moon. I couldn't believe it. And the next thing I was worried about was the dates because you know that I got in Alaska. Oh, yeah, yeah. Said, I'm usually gone. So I'm like, oh, please let these dates like work out. And then they ended up being September 25th through October 6th, which was perfect because new season was over. And uh, yeah, it worked out great, man. Uh, just uh, an amazing hunt. And uh, uh, truthfully, I, I've never posted uh, one of the bulls we were after out of respect for the outfitter that uh, um, got the video. And nobody ever killed this bull, but it was it was over 400 and just a freaking slob. He just disappeared. I don't know where he ran at, but so that he, was a, an hot man with just tons of bulls. And 
probably the best elk hunt that I've ever been on in all the years that I've been elk hunting. Um, the red activity was next level. Every day was just action packed, weeding through bulls. And, you know, these aren't like, you know, when you're doing that in Colorado, you're, you're talking like rag bulls, you yeah, know, yep. you're weeding just, just bulls, you know, but here in Utah in that unit, it was like, you know, there's a 300, there's a 310. Nope. You're not, you're not shooting him. There's a 340. Like, nope, we can do better. So it was like, it got to the point, like, and I hate to say this, but it got to the point where I, I got tired of seeing 340 type oh, bulls. Just, a, just, <laughs> just the old, another 340. <laughs> exactly, man. That's, that's how it was. And like, we, I got it all on film because uh, we shot a film for the experience. So when that comes out, uh, I think you're going to want to watch because of just some of the footage we've got. That was just epic rut footage and in your face. And I mean, it was amazing. When's that film? When's that film going to come out? I think uh, Dan's planning on releasing that in January or first of February because we got a new season coming out on Carbon TV. I know you switched over to that too. Uh, uh, so we're just waiting for that new season to kind of drop, and then we've got some new films coming out, and that'll be one of them. Oh, perfect, perfect. Who was your Who was your field producer on that one? Uh, Sawyer Peacock. Did Sawyer. Did he have a sweet yeah. mustache at the time? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's no, great. He, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't pull up in a white van looking <laughs> sketch. <laughs> Got some ice cream in the back if anybody wants to hop in. <laughs> oh yeah. We were we had all kinds of names. We were calling him Larry Flint with his mustache. And I mean <laughs> he had we called him Father Peacock because you know Sawyer is an ordained minister. Like he he had a, a bunch of names from the guides there. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So that the the bull that was over four hundred, did you get your eyes on him while you were there? Or did the guys catch him pre scouting? No, they caught him. They saw him. The last day they saw him was during the archery hunt. And gotcha. so one of the guides that I had, um, I actually used uh, Alpha Outfitters, who you guys recommended, yep. uh, Eric Rick for me, which I, I've known about them forever, and they were great guys. And I, I had called um, Garrett Smith, who's the owner, and, and he said, well, I'm going to put you with these two guys. They actually live right there. And one of them's got a tag, so I know that they're, they're going to – one of them had an archery tag, and – I know they're going to know where every single big bull is on that unit. So I'm like, all right, perfect. So they had, they had got eyes on him in the, uh, in the summer and, and watched him and then had him during the archery season. And the, he was actually trying to kill him and he, he never got a chance to get close enough. And they had, I think they had bumped him one time and after he bumped him, they never saw him again. Just gone. So, but he was down. I mean, he was, he was in the cedars, like, he wasn't up high. I mean, that's a high unit in that he was, he was low, low, but, uh, I don't know like where he, we found all, he was with a bunch of the bulls and we found every single one of the bulls that he was with. We just, we couldn't find him and nobody could find him. Like there was other, you know, there's other outfitters there that were looking too that yeah, we yeah. had actually stopped talk to. And, uh, you know, it was kind of that game where, Oh, is this the biggest bull you've seen in there? You know, cause there was another 360, 370 type bull that we were actually looking at. And, um, he had broke uh, oh. the day before, two days before the muzzleloader season. And so we got 40 yards from him on opening day. And we got in on him. We got close to him. And out, uh, the guide was like, nope, he's broke, he's broke. So we let him go. Um, but, you know, it was that old game where, like, we know what we saw. You know what you saw. Uh-huh. And, you know, it ended up coming out that they had seen that big bull, too. Um, and they, they were in there looking for him, too. But nobody, nobody saw him. Like, he just straight disappeared. Wow. This is amazing how those old bulls can do that. Yeah. I mean, Mark, this bull was a freaking hammer, like 23, 24 inch fronts, like, like a mainframe five with all these kickers and fly. I mean, it was, it's an insane looking bull. And we're together one time. I'll show you the video. And wow. It'll be like, holy crap. Wow. <laughs> so how many different bulls did you see on this hunt? Man, I passed up 37 different bulls on this hunt. In how many days? 30- uh, it was a 12 day season. So I, I killed on the very last morning. So in 12 days, I passed 37 different bulls. Wow. That's yeah. Like, so it was insane. like, you know, we had that bull, that big bull, and we hunted him for two days. And the guys were like, dude, what do you want to do? Like, we can, we can hunt this bull the rest of the season and never see him. I'm like, well, there's got to be more than one big bull on this. It's a giant unit. I said, let's go, let's go roll. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go all the spots, you know? So that's what we did. Like, we, we just hit tons of different spots every day and the rut action was just i mean it was insane i couldn't believe it 
couldn't believe it. Just perfect timing. Yeah, just perfect timing. And, you know, it was all day. You know, you start in the morning and you're getting the bulls. They're still bugling like midday. So, I mean, it was perfect. Wow. Perfect. Well, that's why that's why you apply, right? Just for something yeah, like that. For sure. Like it was, um, yeah, I mean, and honestly, like there was times when, you know, that I had I had the guides for like seven days, I think. And then uh, Garrett was going to roll over uh, some other guys. But there was a few days when I was by myself. You know, in the unit just yep. running. And I was just like, man, this is this is just horrible. Like I just want to go home. And I'm like, nope, you know what? Like I'll never have this tag ever again in my life. I could just ride it out, ride mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. They ended up paying off. And then Garrett showed up um uh, the day before the season ended. And uh man, that guy can walk. If you ever get a chance to hunt with him, watch out. He could cover <laughs> some he could cover some ground. Yeah, he took me on a death march when he got there. And I was, I mean, I'd been in the unit for 10 days and I was in pretty good shape. And he's like, we got to go, we got to go. And we went on a death march and we ended up finding this bull that I killed the next day that night. He was up bugling. He said, man, I can't tell you a lot about this bull. I know he's in the sixties probably. Um, he was really beamy, you know, big fronts on him. He's like, tomorrow I know where we need to be. And, uh, we woke up that next morning and we did through a couple other bulls and then, uh, it took some work because this guy didn't want to come out. He had a cow, but we ended up calling the cows out and another a rag bull came out and he was still in the, in the trees bugling and we hadn't seen him. We're like, Oh, it's gotta be him. So luckily one of the cows came out and uh, he followed her and I had about a 215 yard shot on him. Um, you know, they had in, in Utah, you can use scopes. Well, now they changed the rule, but this year, you could use a variable power scope, which, I mean, as you know, like makes a huge difference. Game changer. So, 215 yard was like, it's a chip shot, even with a muzzle over. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it was like, boom, one shot, hit him in the shoulder, hit him, you know, right where I wanted to. He took maybe 15 steps and then flipped over backwards. And uh, luckily, I didn't have Sawyer there at the time. So, luckily, uh, uh, Garrett was filming through his binos and we got it all on film. So, we'll be able to tie that into the to the film at the end so yeah it worked out great man we walked up and i was like whoa this thing's i knew it was a good bull but i didn't realize how heavy he was until i actually got up there and i'm like man this is whew, that's a freaking stud you know it worked out great man the pictures are insane yeah just yeah, the mass everything is just just insane yeah people are like oh you did something with the picture i'm like no and then they see the bull in person they're like oh yeah no i get it now i'm like yeah i told you man <laughs> yeah. i don't do any trick photography like the bull is what the bull is like we just took a picture and, and yeah he's uh he's more impressive when you see him in person actually even so yeah that, great man it's awesome there's some of those some of those animals that are like that that are so big in reality right that it's super tough to take a picture that that mm-hmm. justifies it like they look good but it's so big that it's like and so tough to actually show what it is yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that old, uh, you know, a picture that does, you know, does it justice. And that this is one of those bulls for sure. Like when you get to him, like on the fourth mass measurement, and I never taped him because uh-huh. I'm like he's a bull that I wanted to shoot. Like we probably had him upper sixties, low seventies type bull. You know what I mean? But it, his fourth mass measurement, you can't even get your hand around it. So that's you know, he, he's got some huge mass. That's insane. Yeah, it's just insane. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome, man. I wish I could hunt that unit every year, and then I don't wish I could hunt that unit every year. <laughs> it's uh, that mountain is, it's a grinder, man. That that thing tore me down. I did over a hundred, I think a hundred five to hundred ten miles on that hunt, walking. Wow, I know, and that was after coming off of guiding season. So you're already beat down. Oh man, my freaking knees were just hammered because it, everything everything we did was above nine thousand feet you know all the miles oh man that's awesome though to get a bull like that and that does for anybody that's listening it, pollock sent me sent me some stuff beforehand and he said tj never misses a year in applying right consistency uh-huh. and just being persistent in it will get you tags like this and and you're kind of like me right you've been in it long enough that now every draw season you're just waiting for Eric to call you because you don't know what's going to come your way. Exactly. 
you know, I think me and you actually had that conversation because I, I knew you'd draw on that. Well, Eric had told me you drew that Nevada tag. Yep. Yep. And so I like text you to tell you congratulations. And you're, and you, you said that you're like, well, we're, we're reaching that point where we've got enough points now to where we should be getting these calls pretty regularly, which is exciting. It is. Cause you never, you never know, right? Like at any point yeah. in time, you're starting to get there to where like, you're probably a couple years away from getting a sheep call. You know, like, yeah. I mean, you're like just waiting by the phone and, and waiting for that. But like even the Nevada one I had, right? Like I drew it super early. I didn't think I was going to draw that for, I mean, shoot another 10 years and you mm-hmm. get, you get that call, but it's just, man, you're, you're applied into enough things across the West and you've been at it long enough that now, I mean, every year you should get a call about something. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think this year I'm hoping my odds are really good for that Arizona tag. I'm at 22 or 23 points now. Oh yeah. So it'd be right there of, you know, getting that tag. And that's the one that, you know, I, I, I really expected to draw. Utah was like so far out of reach for me that I, I didn't even, didn't wasn't even, even on the rate. Honestly, didn't even think about it. No. And I mean, Garrett had told me when I called him, he's like, how many points did you have? And I said, 17. And he goes, dude, I was looking at the, the regs before and he said it was like 27 for a non-hesitant yeah. I'm like, i bucked it by 10 years you know yeah. so i mean you can't and that's you know i that's happened to me a few times with wta i remember the first time i ever drew, drew a tag was a it was a unimac island bear tag and it was the very first year i ever put in never expected to get it and i got a call from eric then and was like he get drew and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah, just the call even early is even more special. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk Alaska. I know you came right from Alaska here. How was your guys' season up there? Man, it was it was pretty good. Um, I don't know if some of your uh, listeners know, but they actually shut down our uh, our doll sheep in Unit 19C is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, for five years so we didn't have a sheep season this year so we ran a couple caribou hunts you know in august there uh those guys filled the moose hunting was a little bit tougher than it was the year before i saw actually saw a bull freshly stripped on september 7th which i couldn't believe it like they're using by august 30th you know yeah so it was the rut was super late um, we killed our very first velvet bull there this year, which we never kill a velvet bull. I mean, it was just one of those years where they, they, I don't know, like the weather was, it was rainy. It was cold, like similar to the year before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. And I, I'd heard this like kind of throughout the West, even too, like the elk were kind of, you know, starting to rut late and the mule deer were still balled up, you know, into September and, you know, with the velvet on and stuff. So I don't know what, what it was about this year that uh, kind of slowed things down. But, um, yeah, we we uh, had to really grind those first 10 days of, of September. And um, I think we only – we were like five for nine those first 10 days mm-hmm. um, on moose. And then, obviously, you know, the rut kicked in. And the next 10 days we killed, we went nine for nine. But, yeah, that for that first week was – it was brutal. Even with my hunter, I, uh, I had an archer, um, and we struggled. Like we, I, I found a, a huge bull day one for him, but it was 300 yards away and full velvet. So obviously he's not, you know, paying any attention to the call at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's walking away and I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, he'll, he'll strip and we'll see him again. And like, we went days with just seeing, you know, just, just bulls, you know, that were all bastard up. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he he had uh, a lot of chances at wolves. Like, we had these wolves den up literally 400 yards from our glassing mound. And, I mean, there was pups and everything. And So I told him, I, I said, here's a gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, if, we, if these wolves come in, you are going to shoot one of these wolves with this gun. Yep. <laughs> and he uh, he's going to kill me for saying this, but he, he had seven different shots at four different wolves. Oh, so my he, goodness. Yeah, and they were anywhere from 80 yards to 200 yards, you know, because those wolves were just coming back and forth into that den. And, I mean, you know, like, when you're moose hunting, like, those, you got to get them wolves out. Oh, absolutely. They'll mess everything up. They'll just devastate. I mean, they were howling all night. Like, all the moose were, like, around the perimeter, you know, staying aware these wolves weren't. weren't. 
Yep. So finally, we snuck in on this wolf, and they were they didn't. I this was a new camp that we had uh, just put in this year, and so these wolves weren't used to seeing people. Like we, I saw the alpha, and we snuck in, and he was laying down, and he watched us walk all the way in on him to a hundred yards, like the whole time. He just didn't and, have a care. Yeah, he just was. He he could see us, but he didn't know what we were, and he we were a threat to him. And so we actually end up killing the alpha. And then, you know, when you kill the alpha, the whole pack leaves. So um, that helped our moose odds. Um, and then here's a, here's another interesting little wrinkle that I'll throw in there. I watched, there was these four bulls on this knob this one day we were watching. I watched another bull pick up a, uh, another bull and drive him into the ground and kill him. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was some... I wish I'd have had it on video. Like it was, this bull came out with swaying his head, and this bull was, you know, sixty. I think we when we when we actually we killed the grizzly bear off him like a uh, week later, but he was like sixty five inch bull, and uh, he he came out was like I'm like I told the client I said look at the look at this bull man he's fired up he is ready to he's ready to fight uh-huh. and he's coming out he's and we're a mile and a half and watching this spotter. And we're uh, we're watching him, and he's coming out. He's swaying. He's doing his thing. Like, and out comes this other bull from the forest, and just they lock horns and start battling. And that that bull that came out walking out picked this bull up, slammed him into the ground, stiff legged this bull. Like I'm like I told the client, I said, look, he's he killed him. Like he straight up killed that bull. And he's sitting there, trying. He's jerking back. He's trying to pull his antlers out of this bull. Uh-huh. Finally gets him out, looking through the spotter, and all of his fronts were blood red. Just covered. Blood red. <laughs> I know. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like that, man. It was wild. And so that that bull that stat, that worked him over walked back into the trees, and, and this bull laid there for 15 minutes stiff-legged. Mm-hmm. And you see movement, rolls over, lays down. And we're like, oh, he's still alive. And... uh the other bull comes walking back out of the trees and this bull act like he just laid his head down and act like he was dead. So I'm like, well, let's go back. Let's go. Like, let's move on these bulls and see if we can get closer. Cause the other one was a shooter, you know, too. Yep. So we moved within a half mile, got in there and, and I pulled up the spotter again and the bull that had got gored was gone. So I'm like, Oh, and there was no bulls on any of the, on the knob at all. So I'm like, Oh, I don't know what happened. Like maybe they got scared or whatever. So days go by. This my this client kills his bull on the eighth day. Great bull, giant bull, and then we end up like I said, we end up shooting a grizzly bear off of that that killed bull with the next client a week later. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was wild, man. Wild. So yeah, we had some we had some pretty epic times. I killed a first client killed a sixty six. The second client killed a sixty four and a half, and he killed a grizzly bear, and the other guy killed a wolf. So I had two clients that. That did really well this year. Yeah, and two great bulls too. Yeah, yeah, you can check those out too. I, I uh, threw those up on my on my Insta too. If anyone has a, wants to see those, um, the last bull. I'll just I'll make this kind of a quick story. But he, this guy, he's from Colorado. Um, you know, elk hunter type dude was used to hunting elk. You know, not really used to hunting moose. You know, you know, you know moose. And oh, I yeah. tried to tell him, moose hunting is ninety percent boredom and ten percent action. Mm-hmm. Like. It's just the way that moose are, right? So he he got a little frustrated, and we went for a walk on the very last day. I mean, we don't we'd seen some bulls, you know, but nothing that he really wanted to shoot. We moved camps and this and that, and so we went on this walk. And I'm like, man, this is never going to work. Like, no way. Like, you can't still hunt a moose. So we went on this long, long, long walk, and we're just kind of cruising, and I'm just grunting, raking. You know, every once in a while, I'll stop, grunt, rake. We come on this ridge and I grunt and I hear this whoa and I hear, I hear this rake and I'm like oh crap here he comes and he's like really and I'm like yeah do you hear him he's like he's literally 100 yards and so in super thick thick trees we never even knew this bull was there and we could see the world from where we were glassing and uh so this bull's coming and I pull up my binos I have like a two-foot window to see and I see that he's got at least five fronts so he's legal I said man he's legal I said I can't tell you how wide he is. I said, but he's a legal bull. It's the last day of like, let's shoot him. So he's like, give me my binos. And I said, screw the binos. He's 80 yards. Like, kill him. <laughs> so 
So he, he pulls up and he shoots and he hits and the bull goes down. And the bull gets back up and we're like, get another round, get another round. And the bull got away, you know, through the trees before we get another shot. So we're like, okay, well, let's go down there. Like, let's give him some time. We'll go down there and check it out. Uh, so we walk down there 45 minutes later and there's lots of blood and we're in the track and this bull and, and uh, track this bull, lose the blood 500 yards in. And uh, so it's like, oh crap, like, what do we do now? So I got on the in reach and, you know, got to Aaron and was like, hey man, you know, we need air support. Like, you lost this bull. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll be there in 30 minutes. He goes, don't move. So he starts flying over. We're pointing in the direction the bull went, and he's grading back and forth, grading, grading, grading. Finally finds this bull, like, and I see him circling, <laughs> and, and he's circling, like, two more miles away. And I'm like, oh, my oh. gosh. <laughs> and we're already two miles from camp. And for anybody that knows anything about moose hunting, like, you don't want to kill a moose further than a mile. From <laughs> no, that's going to be a long, long pack out. Yeah. Yeah, so long story short, we get in on this bull, and he ends up getting killed, and we got home at, uh, you know, 3.30 that night. Oh. And yeah, brutal. <laughs> oh. Brutal, but he killed an absolute slob. I, didn't, I had no idea this bull was this big. He was, uh, was six by six on the front and 65, 64 and a half inches wide. Oh, just a hammer bull. Oh, my gosh. His fronts were insane, and I'm like, and this is the same guy that killed the grizzly bear on day one. I'm like, do you know how lucky you are? I said, 99 times out of 100, what we just did does not work moose hunting. Yeah. He's like, like, yes, you don't still hunt for moose. It's not, this isn't Colorado elk hunting. <laughs> no, and that's one of those. We we have a ton of guys that call for moose hunts, and it's always like they expect to be going, like nonstop, just mm-hmm. going and going and going and going. And it's kind of like brown bear hunting, right? Like you, there's so much sitting. And yeah. I think you said it right, like bo- 90% boredom. 10% ecstasy is about what a, yeah. what a moose hunter or a brown bear hunt is. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, it's hard for guys to wrap their brain around that though. It's like, you know, and you know, we're, and we're on vantage points where we're, we can see like forever, you know? And, and it's like, man, we're in the best possible spot. Like we're calling, we're doing this and that. Like when you're moose hunting, you just, you, you, you can't go very far. You, I mean, you literally can't because you, you'll kill people trying to get it out of there. You, Yep. Me, and then it's on us you know yep it's, nope. it's hard for guys to understand i learned i learned all about that the first time i ever went moose hunting we did a do-it-yourself moose hunt in alaska um my dad my brother-in-law and i and mm-hmm. we sh- we shot two bulls in back-to-back days um one was about two miles from camp and we had to cross a river with a blow-up canoe mm-hmm. so you would hike it to the river get everything there use the blow up canoe, get everything across and you'd have to load up again and, and haul it back to camp. And that was mm-hmm. like, okay. And then I, and then I went and did it again the next day, but it was like three and a half miles on that side of the river. And it was, oh. it was towards the end. It was like, dad, I'm sorry. We're out. Like just completely burned out though. Just, I yeah. mean, it's in from that moment. You're like completely understood why the, why the transporter that dropped us off said call from the lake. Mm-hmm. And eventually they'll come. But at the time, like I was an inexperienced Eastern hunter, right? Like, okay, we did that yeah. for a day. I got bored. Now you start going out to another, another slew to where you can see and you start doing that and bumping farther and farther and farther and farther. And then all of a sudden you shoot and you realize you're three and a half miles away and you look at the bull and you're like, oh man, what did I just do? Yeah, now what? Oh, I, I think on that one, we were gone eight days. I went in three notches on my belt. <laughs> just from just from hiking, walking, hiking, walking, hiking, walking, right? Just just loading up, packing out, and towards the end, you're like so sore. That first day you get out, you just lay there because everything hurts. Yeah, yeah, and those are tundra. Miles, yeah, you know, like that's Not, why I try to explain to people. I'm like tundra miles are like double the normal mile. Yeah, not an like, e- not an hurt. even footstep, and just about every other one, you're sinking down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It looks easy. Like you look out across there, you're like, "Oh, we'll be there in an hour." Like, Mm-mm. no, not there. And you're gonna have blisters and all sorts of stuff by the time you get there. Uh huh. Yeah. On your caribou hunts, you guys said you ran a couple caribou hunts. Those are over the counter up there in that unit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But- yeah. We've got a we've got a pretty good herd. I mean, there are some giant ones in there, and we really haven't killed any of the giant ones. There, it's kind of one of those places where, you know, when they're there, it's awesome, uh-huh. and when they're not, 
super boring. Like you could go five days and not see anything. Yep. You know, and when they're there, it's like, oh, there's caribou. There's 20 there. There's 10 there. There's five there. There's two bulls. You know what I mean? It's, it's good when they're there and you got to take advantage and really you got to go hard and get them killed. It's just like caribou hunting isn't what it used to be, right? It's so much tougher now. That's So a bear, yeah. a barren ground caribou, as I'm going after my 29, is the only one that I've struck out on twice. Oh, just, really? just because it, I've gone to the best areas, right? Uh-huh. Both, both times, like I was up there this year, took a great Arctic grizz, but I was up there. We saw one small bull on day four, just the resident, normally the early season, the resident bulls before the migration kicks in. And just mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the resident bulls weren't there and the migration hadn't kicked in. So even though you're in the best spot, right? They're mm-hmm. with caribou. If they're not moving, I mean, there's nothing you can do besides go up and just glass open tundra for miles yeah. and miles and miles and then all of a sudden so i think we had the camp we were in we had six hunters uh two shot one shot one shot and then all of a sudden the next week six hunters they all shot within the first three days because the migration had oh, started right you just just missed it by a three-day window and you could tell towards the end of our hunt weather was starting to get there starting to get colder the wind was starting to pick up and you're like man any day that we wake up you're going to just get up to that first glassing knob and you're going to start seeing groups of caribou everywhere I'm a believer in using the best, and that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are, the best on the market. If you want to sharpen your skills and ability, make sure to check out their Long Range University. From the rifle build to the perfect shot, Gunworks is your partner in the pursuit of long range perfection, 1,000 yards out of the box. WTA Tags is a full service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited entry big game tags. They offer professional consultation on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the states. TAGS has the easiest, most reliable, and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime. For a free TAGS consultation, call 1-800-755-8247 or visit them online at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash TAGS. That's WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com dot com slash t-a-g-s no matter where i'm hunting in the world i'm always wearing my mindo boots i guess you could say that i sort of live in my mindo hunting boots and right now at mindlusa.com you can use promo code mpjourney to get a free pair of socks when you order up a pair of boots again that's promo code mpjourney at mindlusa.com now back to the journey within the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keep for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly like... So our caribou, you know, we figure there's a herd of probably three to 500. Okay. And what they, they, they do like a big... They circle. So, you like, they'll they'll be gone for a couple of days and then you'll see them, you know, they'll, they'll come through again and then they'll be gone and they, they just... They kind of do a big circle out there. And we know this just from basically flying around. Um, and seeing them out there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but it's similar, like you said, like when they're, if they're not there, it's the most boring hunt and you could ever be on. Cause you're just literally looking all day. I mean, you can hunt them all day. They move all day. Yep. So you're yep. literally out there all day long. Yeah. Uh, glassing and, you know, just hoping to see one, you know, and usually if, if you see, at least where we are, if we see one, even if it's way out there, like you move on them because there's going to be more funneling through there. Yeah, if you see one, that's usually the the path that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, 
exactly right. Well, man, we need to get you to Dillinger's and get you a caribou. I need, I need a caribou. That's why I do. That's why I was asking. I, I wrote down as soon as you mentioned caribou hunt, so I figured I had to talk about that at least for at least for a couple minutes. On the sheep front, um, I know they closed it down for five years. You got pretty mm-hmm. pretty good warm fuzzy that after five they're going to open it back up. Man, I don't know. Like we, we just flying around this year, like we didn't see a lot of sheep. Like they're just. Mm. Couple, I don't. I don't know. Couple okay. tough winners in a row. Yeah, I mean there was three. You know, yeah. tough, tough in a row, and you know, even the trooper when he before he retired, he flew in and was like, I, "I've never seen. I've flown this area for thirty plus years." He said, "I've never seen it like this." He's like, "Usually where there's sheep, there's there's nothing." Yeah, like, not even a sheep. Like in just the lamb recruitment mark is just like. I mean, even when we had the season last year, you know, you'd see. 20 ewes and you'd see one or two lambs like they're just not there all the young ones just took it hard in that winter and that's or is like the 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 thing are you seeing like five six seven year old rams or just not any yeah we were you know when we were hunting you know that was kind of the those seven we lots of seven-year-olds you know yep kind of full that full curl not really you know not really shooters um but nothing in that you know 10 year old range even from you know when i hunted my own ram there in 2018 you know i shot it out of a band of four then there was two 10 year olds and two eight-year-olds like you just don't you're not seeing that now so it's just it's it's crazy and i don't know like what the right answer is to bring those sheep back yeah it's just mother nature right you need you need a series of good years in a row to to get the Mm -hmm. lambs up and get old enough and like our area in the yukon um we took the same hard winters that you did, but luckily we've, we've maintained those young Rams. Like those hard winters usually kill the old Rams. Um, but we've got like last year, you could so many seven-year-old Rams. So, right. You get a couple of <laughs> easy winners in a row. You know, you're going to have some slammer Rams coming up for the next three to four. Mm-hmm. And just as long, but again, it just comes down. You could get another harsh winter and then all of a sudden you're sitting there in a bad spot yet again. Yeah. And I think, Honestly, just from, you know, talking to Duros and here's the owner of Dillinger, like we think that it's those late, those late storms that are getting them, you know, those, uh, spring storms that are dumping a bunch of snow and then freezing mm-hmm. and allowing them to get that food. And that's what's really killing them off. Yeah, just, and because there's, you know, the Dillinger is, is, it's really, it gets a lot of wind in there. Right. So it, it keeps a lot of that snow out of there. So, you know, in years past, it would be nothing to fly out there in the spring and see, 150 sheep you know in there wintering in there because they're they're all windblown slopes so, you know they can still get the food and everything and now you just you're not even seeing you know 15 20 sheep in there yeah. so it's it's pretty bad mark i mean honestly it really is man it's sad yeah it's not good yeah and i mean i saw the numbers you know last year you know the the kills you know the rams that were brought in across the state um you know from the previous year we're in the you know 1100 or something like that and then the next year was you know 300 and that's the whole state so i mean you're when you're talking those kind of numbers it's like whoa like what's and this is not our area it's it's kind of the whole state so scary man yeah it's not good that's not what i was hoping you'd say yeah i know man and you know honestly i tell people all the time like there's it won't be long and doll sheep will be the hardest sheep to get for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you kind of like, it's one of those things, right? You start to see it in the pricing everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere across the board. Like doll obviously is the low on the four sheep, but it's, it's going up because it's hard to get a doll everywhere and costs yeah. go up. Like you look at NWT, like most of those are so remote, the cost of the flight or helicopter to get out to those like that, the price is double. And it's no fault yep. of the outfitter, right? Those pricing is just doubled with gas and and equipment and all that stuff just because they, I mean, sheep live in the middle of nowhere. It costs mm-hmm. a lot to get out there. Absolutely. But, yeah. it, it got it got so bad, Mark. Like, people would ask me about, you know, booking a hunt, a doll sheep in Alaska. And I'm like, man, honestly, I don't even want to book you. Like, I, I don't, it's just, it's, I want you to have a quality experience and I want you to get a ram and like, you may, I mean, we, we obviously do like when we could hunt and we, we did the best we could to move people in camps and, you know, 
try to get them that ram, but like it's if they're not there, they're not there. What are you gonna do? Yeah, you know. So I mean, like you want to, you want if you want a legitimate chance at a ram, you're gonna have to go to the Yukon or NWT, in my opinion. Yep. You know. Yeah, same. That's that's what we talk to guys about too. If you're looking for a doll, it's the Yukon and NWT and and mm. like some of the areas in Alaska, but it, it's it's just so tough if you're looking at spending that time and that money. Like mm-hmm. that would be the third option, is what it is really. Yep. Like that's that's the third option. Yeah, and I mean there was a time when you you, you would have never said that about no. Alaska. No, for you, that was the go-to. Yeah, because it's for, in, sure. for especially guys in the states, right? You don't have to travel outside of the U.S. You just go right there, and they're good sheep, and they're high numbers. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that's what a couple of bad winners does. Same thing in Saskatchewan for deer. Like you get a really? couple of bad winners up there, just because the the deer density is so low. And if you get a couple of bad winners in a row, it just wipes those old bucks out, and and the fawns don't make it, and you just miss age classes, right? But mm-hmm. it's been. It's been a while since we've had a bad winter in Saskatchewan, so now you start seeing everything bounce back. But I mean, Mother Nature can change in just a blink of an eye like that. You have, and then you have two bad winters in a row. Be right mm-hmm. back to where we're at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy like that. The weather's king, you know. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's in the hunt or during the winter. It always always plays an effect. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, I know you've been at the the podcast game now for a while over at uh gsco like do you like it now that you've been at it long enough yeah yeah man it's fun like it's i always you know when i when i talk to guys and especially with like the whole grand slam thing um it's it's interesting to me like everybody's path to their grand slam is is so different and so unique so like hearing those stories about you know one guy's you know, path versus the other guys. It's super cool to me. And, you know, not only hearing from, you know, like guys from Rex Baker or Alan Smith, those guys that have, you know, been doing it for a long time and are, you know, have, you know, hundreds of species under their belt, but like guys that, that like me and you know, or like that not everybody hears from like those, you know, hearing those guys' stories too, that some of those guys that are kind of, you know, they, they don't want to really be known, but you know, I've kind of coaxed them into doing podcasts. Yeah, yep. and, hey man, you have, you have stories people want to hear. It's not bragging. It's, you know, people want to hear these things. So for me like that, I, I like that part of it. Like hearing everybody's different, you know, path to the super slam or the grand slam. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool for sure. Because everybody's got a different path, how they got, yeah. how they got into sheep hunting their first sheep hunt like the addiction behind it and then the, the, how they planned their second one after the first and so forth. Like it's all different. It's great to hear everybody's, everybody's stories behind it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. You know, and I, I like hearing a lot of, not even one of the sheep, like uh, I had uh, Dan Evanson on who's, you know, he's, he's, I think he might be one away from his archery super slam, but like hearing some of his stories, like about, you know, the, the, uh, you know, musk ox and, you know, just different animals that I, that I haven't hunted. Um, you know, it's, it's cool to hear like people's, people's stories on, on how those hunts went and, you know, logistically how it was to get there. And, you know, I, I, I dig all that stuff. Yeah. Now you got, you got to tell me some stories from like Rex and, and Jay Allen and stuff like that. Cause those guys, I mean, they've, they've been doing Rex, especially, I mean, yeah. guys been doing it for so long at such a high level and, and, been at it for so long so he got to travel to a lot of places that you can't even get into now it just yeah i can only like the stories that that guy can tell yeah i mean one one story that comes to mind was they opened and closed i think i believe it was tibet in one day they were there like hunting blue sheep and yeah i think he booked it through bob kern and like so rex is for people that don't know like Rex's podcast that I did is one of the most downloaded ones. And if you haven't listened to it, you, you have to listen to it. Like he didn't even start hunting until you know, he was 30, like big game hunting until he was 35, went on his first, you know, big game hunt when, when he was 35 and it was the British Columbia hunt where he had a stone sheep, a grizzly bear, a, a caribou, a moose. And he did it all for like 3,500 bucks back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so stories like that, like you, you need to go and listen to that, but like open and close in Tibet, that was uh pretty unreal to me because he had told me that him and his buddy went up there and th- 
and then that place you can you typically when you're out in Volusia, there's no roads right but they yeah. were high enough to where they could have a road and um they had seen these uh blue sheep and I, th- I think they i can't remember exactly but i think they flipped a coin and his buddy wanted and he shot his ram and then he and then rex had shot his ram and they literally rolled him right to the road um got their rams got back to the hotel and got a call from whoever it was from the government saying the hunt was over like you guys are done and then the, they're like why because oh, the government shut it down so they opened it one day they got their rams and they closed it the next day. <laughs> wow! So luckily they got their rams, but I mean he's got so many stories like that that are just amazing. He's such a great dude. That uh, yeah, we gotta check it out. That's that's incredible. Now anybody that knows <laughs> Jay Allen, right? Super big personality. Um, mm-hmm. Just the, just the way he is, right? Like I imagine he had some great stories too. Oh yeah, yeah he does. I mean he's the Buffalo guy. Like if you. He's got a story about Buffalo for, for, for everything. Like anything that's ever happened with Buffalo, like Jay Allen, he's got that too. Like he, he's a good dude. He likes to joke around. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that he's got a million stories too. And I can't think of any that really comes to mind because he was like one of my very first ones. Um, but yeah, that uh, I also did one with him that uh, you need to check out and uh, and see the things that uh, Jay has talk about it on a lot of those hunts too yeah now i know uh we i covered the convention changes with uh jason in the in one of the episodes i did with him on the podcast here um mm-hmm. just want to touch on those for anybody that's listening to this one didn't that's didn't listen to jason's um and i thought one of the, the greatest things that grand slam club has done is moved their convention and partnered with sci so they're on the the same weekend in the same area um I think that's been a huge and great move for Grand Slam Club. Um, I think it's a great partnership, truthfully, for SCI as well. Um, yeah. It's just, just been awesome. Do you got any podcast guests lined up for that one yet? Um, I've got Miranda that I'm going to do. Um, and then I usually try and hit some of the outfitters while I'm while I'm there. Yeah. Um, last year, um, a couple of other. I did uh, Safari International Macedonia. Um, so I was trying to hit different guys while I'm there and, and stop by the booth. And I, I really try to pay homage to those outfitters because without them, I mean, you know, like we do grand slam really doesn't have, it doesn't not necessarily exist, but like those guys are like a huge, such a huge supporter of what we do. So I, I try to just stop by and say, Hey man, if you got an extra hour, like let's, let's, let's lay one down, you know? And, and most of the time they do, you know, especially early, if you can catch them even before the show starts, like that's a good time to sit down before they get too busy, especially guys like Con. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I got Miranda. I'm going to, I got some more on the list that are coming. I just did a one with Jason too for GSEO, um, the day after you did one with him, um, to kind of go over, um, the convention and, you know, add some clarification to, you know what we're doing throughout the week yeah. and doing on sunday you know it's different seminars and meet and greets and things like that just so people know you know what direction to head when you get there so perfect yeah right. and then super happy with the collaboration with sdi you know being on the back end you know what is it another day for you to stay you know in nashville of all places right yeah it's a perfect so, location yeah, I mean, and you know, and at the end of the day, like we're saving outfitters tens to twenty thousand dollars from having to go, you know, from one convention to another convention. You know, they're already there. So, and you know, there's no pipe of draping. I'm sure Jason mentioned all that. Like, it's just, it's going to be, you know, a great, a great event for all of our members and the outfitters. You know, and we're open to feedback. Like, yeah. And if you don't go, like you have no right to say anything about the feedback. Like I, that's why we want people, as many people, to go, because we want as much feedback as we can get, so we can make this thing as 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 best as we can make it going forward. Yeah, and that's one thing you've seen with Jason since he kind of took the realm over there. Is uh, I mean, he's made a, a lot of dramatic changes, and from my standpoint, all for the good and the better. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't wasted he hasn't wasted any time, and all those decisions, like we talked about this in his podcast, it's all been driven from member feedback. 
Like every mm-hmm. everything he's like, I haven't reinvented the wheel on anything. I've I've just kind of listened to what all of our members have been saying for years and and just put a plan around that and just went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely I think for this moment in time, he's the right guy to be steering the ship. Yep. I think he came, you know, at, at the perfect time to bring these new ideas and have, you know, the board's back, like the board has his back and, you know, and, and a lot of these things he wants to run with. So I think, I think it's, he's the perfect guy for the job right now. A hundred, a hundred percent. Um, the one I did want to just touch on a, again, because it's new and I want people to understand it is the new award that, um, GSCO is coming out with called my 10. Um, mm-hmm. and that's basically, I mean, it is what it says, right? My 10, you can take any of the, any of the 29 that are on there. And it's the slam of that, right? You just got to get 10 of that. So it's not the super 10, which kind of breaks it apart into different categories. Yep. It's any of the 10 that are on there. So if you're a deer guy, there's a bunch of deer sprinkling a black bear and antelope and, and mountain goat or whatever. And I mean, you can get to that one pretty, I mean, it's, it's a lot more achievable for a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, for those people that can't necessarily afford their sheep hunt or young people that, you know, haven't reached that financial level to be able to afford a lot of these big, you know, brown bears or cheap and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You still get that award, you know, and go across the stage and get recognized for those 10 animals, you know, say it's, you know, like you said, if you're a deer guy, you can shoot a Columbia whitetail, blacktail, you know, all, all these, you know, different deer species and get to that 10 and, and, you know, get recognized for your, your hunting accomplishments. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, and it's just another way to get people involved. And like I, like I told Jason, like it, it rates back even to, and I know you guys have a lot of people that call WTA about the super 10. Well, yeah. now they're going to be about the my 10. How can I achieve this my 10, you know, with different, various different deer species and elk species throughout the West. Right. So right. you went that into your application strategy. Exactly. Like you look at the list of what you can go after too, right? There's, you get, you can start applying for the elk you can get in on the, mm-hmm. on the Shiras moose down. Um, some of the bison areas like it and maybe shoot some of the muskox up in Alaska even like there's so much stuff that you can start applying for that can go towards that one yeah yeah I think it's really cool it's a, I think it's a great idea and I think it, once it, people start really finding out about it I think it's going to take off yeah I agree I agree I still told Jason my favorites the U3 I think that's yeah like you I think that's a absolutely great one for getting youth involved at an early age like I mean, kids today have so many options to choose from on what they want to do and pursue. And like, if you can get a couple of kids hooked at an early age and hunting, I think it's, it's for the better. For sure. You know, and then, you know, as you, as your hunting career possess, progresses through that U3, you start looking at that list for that super 10, you know, that super 25, that super slam. I think it just, it's a good introductory tool for kids to learn about more than just coyote hunting elk hunting antelope hunting mm-hmm. you know broaden those horizons which is ultimately what what the goal is you know yep for sure so knowing yeah. you you always got a couple of things a couple of things planned for the future what, what hunts do you have on the horizon man um i'm looking at doing the uh european brown bear in croatia okay um, i'll do that at, at, uh, with wta um you guys have a really good spot over there and Rogers, a really good, a really good guy. Um, so I'm looking at doing that. Uh, I've got a couple of other things that I'm thinking about, um, booking, but, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what the show season brings. Cause I always, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, uh, wish list grows as we, as I walk around these shows and, and see outfitters. And I'm like, Oh, I think I'm going to go there. Yeah. Oh, I think I want to, yeah i mean you know oh like, yeah there's always an impulse that happens at the show too to what you didn't even know yeah. was coming yeah you're like or you see that auction that you you've been watching and you're like oh yeah it's i'm gonna go for that yep. you know so there's I always used to try to have at least one in the back pocket and then you know when the show season hits i i try to try to figure out what i'm gonna do um but i, I like i said i've got that arizona in my back pocket hopefully i'm gonna get that one this year um so we'll we'll see man i uh i got some plans but nothing nothing in stone yet no awesome well that 
the European uh, brown bear, I'm set to go there in April this year. I hunted uh, over there at, at the same place, stayed at the lodge one of the nights just to see where we were going when I was over there in the fall. It's such a unique hunt and super high successes mm-hmm. after breaking it down. It was way more high success than what I was planning on. And first of all, yeah. like, you don't think that there can be, it, it's a brown bear. Like, it looks like a grizzly, like for anybody that's looking, it looks like grizzly. Um mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that they would be in Croatia and some of the areas that they are over there, but they're there in high numbers because they have such big government blocks of um, timber that there aren't any houses or people in. Like, you don't even think of that in Europe. You think Barcelona, Madrid, all these people, right? And, and you get out in Croatia to where you'll be hunting, and there's, I mean, there's hardly anybody there, and you get these untouched areas that just have a ton of bears. Mm-hmm. Man, and honestly, I haven't done it for all these years because i was i was waiting for romania to try to try to open back up yeah to come through like i because i, I was there carpathian chamois hunting in 2017 and i had seen some brown bears i'm like oh like i should have i should have just done it then but again it's like one of it's like the labrador you know like it'll always be there you know and it's just it was gone and then it's been gone since and then there was some hope there's every year yeah. there was like Oh, we got a new minister of forestry, like, and we're going to open back up and like, you're going to, you're going to have to do it like this year. And it just, it, it's never happened. So it's like, I could just got to get over there and do it. And Croatia is the next best spot, I think, to, to do that. For sure. For sure. And Croatia is one of those spots you get to that. You're going to be like, holy smokes, there's a ton of hunting options here too. Yeah. Yeah. Not only can you do deer, there's wild boar, there's fallow, there's stag, there's, Cree Cree hybrid Cree Cree like there's you know all the sheep there's there's a ton of hunting there for sure yep yep and you're kind of I'll admit like I told Jason this too because we were going over what his his hunting schedule looks like right and then I said your hunting's dropped dramatically once you're in the industry hasn't it he's like you wouldn't even believe it I used to be in the field so much more now that I'm in the industry I'm I'm always busy and I look at you too because you're guiding so much in Alaska right in the prime time of hunting season here you're you're the same way right you're hunting but just not for yourself yeah exactly and I mean like the the progression too like there's only there's animals that I want certain animals that I want to go after and obviously that list keeps getting more expensive with the amount of animals that I've already taken, you know, yep. and like, you know, there's, there's some animals like yeah, the bongo and Lord Derby and that European brown bear, a couple other, you know, goats and, and sheep and stuff like that, that I want to go after. But, you know, those hunts are getting, like I said, getting more expensive. So I've got to be able to space them out a little more than, than I used to have to in the past. Yep. Yep. Now, if you like, as as what you listed, are you still in the in the mountain train, like the Capras, and, and trying to go after a lot of those, or have you like what what's your mindset now as you look to plan for hunts? Yeah, so I I want to get that Capra twenty. I'm at nineteen, and that was one of the things about the Croatia trip was like, hey, can I go over and shoot that hybrid Kree while I'm there? Yep, ability to do that, you know, to finish off my twenty, you know, and then you know I've got in outfitters in spain that i want to go back and shoot my last two ibex there you know to to finish off my my uh animals in spain so there's some animals on the list um definitely to to keep those capras going now will i ever reach the super 30 i don't know maybe maybe not you know if jason keeps if jason keeps adding species then you know keeps (laughs) adding to make that 30 a little bit more easy um (laughs) Like, so dad and I hunted the hybrids, uh, Cree Cree over on the, the island off the coast. That's our, mm-hmm. our awesome one to add on if you're there. Like, just yeah. super, super one. There's some some big bellies over there and such a cool experience hunting the island. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, how many days did it take you guys? So dad shot his hybrid on the first day, and I think I shot mine on the third. Um, but okay. when we were there, we were hunting mouflon. Um, I've got a Cree Cree tag there. So, I mean, we, I went in a bad time cause they weren't running. So hopefully mm-hmm. with the, with the brown bear hunt, I finish up early and can bounce back over to the Island cause they should be out and about mm-hmm. a lot more. Um, but we saw a ton of hybrids. We saw one the first night we were there on our side. Um, but we're just in the area we were looking for a mouflon cause they were rutting and it was kind of one of those, mm-hmm. well, the hybrids, you can kind of see those every day if you go after them. So we were, we were looking for a big mouflon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I'm going to sit down and, and talk to Roger when we're at the shows together and have a couple of drinks and 
get it figured out and see if we can see if we can put it together for sure. No, that's awesome. And Roger, like on our side, he's opened up so many things in Europe that have never been opened before. Like, I mean, he's got do it yourself, road deer hunts and stuff like that in Europe, which I mean, he'd never even been an option for guys that wanted to go and try that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he's like, he's, he's funny. Cause they got, they got a new kid over there and, and he's always working though, because of the time change difference. So he gets uh-huh. all of his personal stuff done in the morning, and then whenever, as he said, everybody wakes up over in the U.S., he, he's at his desk over there taking care of stuff. You can get a hold of that guy 24-7. Yeah, he's uh, he's quick to respond, especially WhatsApp, man. He's like, he's on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. he, lo- he loves his job and is bouncing all over the place. He can't wait to get over here in the States for the shows, too. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be in Dallas, so uh, we're going to try and hook up there, if not SCI for sure. So, But what shows are you going to? So I'm in the middle of uh, coaching girls basketball here. So I'm going to try to get down to Nashville for the SCI Grand Slam Club show, and and I think that may be the only one I make it to this year. The sheep really? the sheep show is just so tough to get over for where I let, live in Michigan to get over to Reno. It's so tough for me to to do that on a weekend to where it all comes down to if I got to coach a game on that Friday or if I can sneak out on Friday to fly out um, to do this. But I look, my daughter's only got four and a half more years, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna grind this out while while she's still in the house, and then after that, I'm gonna have, as I tell my wife, it'll just be uh, you and me staring at each other. After that, so <laughs> then I'll have all sorts of free time. Oh man, I, you're such a busy guy. I can't believe all the stuff you do, and then you still coach. And like I, I was, I think I was texting you about that the other day. Like, man, you're such a busy guy with your lifestyle. It's just insane. I don't know how you keep it all straight. It's uh. I think I've just got to the point of, of living busy and hectic that like last night I get done with practice at five, I was home at five thirty, And for the first time I didn't have something to record. Um, we didn't have a game that was late at night. We didn't have late practice. And I was just like, man, I don't even know what to do. I've got three hours here. So I started I like in this time of year, the last three weekends I've coached during the week and I take off late on Friday and I've filmed on Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Monday morning. And I get back in time for practice on, on Monday. And so uh-huh. I, I like last night I was like, man, I'm going to do that. I got one more weekend trip. I'm going to go down to Kentucky and film a quail lodge that we're opening up down there. And I'm like, well, I just went and packed all my stuff, so now I'm ahead. I'm ready to just load up the truck on Saturday, and, and Shelly's got a basketball game. I'll take off right after that. <laughs> Man, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually, like I, I, I do it while you're young, right? That's what my dad said. We'll keep you keep your active and, and crazy lifestyle while you're young, and then you don't yeah. have to go so much when you get older. Man, you ain't get you're you're getting pretty you're getting up there in age. I am. I'm, I'm 40 now. I'm 40 now. I tell you what, like. When I started in the industry, I was 30 and I was, I was like, you hear everybody talk like, man, your knees are going to hurt going up the mountains, your back and so forth. And you know, when I started, uh-huh. I'm like, ah, I'll, I, I could do it. Now I tell you what, some of those, some of the mountains now, the knees, they scream a little bit towards the end <laughs> and you're like, oh man. And, but, but at the same time, right. Look at what Jay Allen and Rex are doing. Yeah. Like the last time I saw Rex, um, was at a St. Herbertus event and he was, he was there talking about how like two days before he just got done free diving with uh, schools of like 2000 tuna. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And you're like, yeah, hey, this guy just, he just lives the life, right? Like it's the adventure life. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think he was like, he had 50 sheep or something like that when he was 50 some years old. And now he's at 88 and he's what he's in his eighties now. Yeah. Yeah. And still, and like for 80 though, just, I mean, rocking and rolling. Yeah, I mean, thirty some sheep from fifty to eighty, like <laughs> that's insane, man. That's a lot of mountains. So many mountains. Like I'm trying to remember, Shocky had uh, one of the one of the sayings for the Weatherby, where he talked about it was the days gone in mountains climbed that equates to to getting the Weatherby award. And like I'll always go back to that, right? Like the time commitment that the guys have to go and do those things, especially sheep, right? It's not especially international sheep because there's so much travel and logistics and, and so much that goes into those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, man. And as everybody says, you always go to Asia, especially the, the Middle East areas over there just for the food on those mountain hunts. <laughs> Actually, nobody, nobody's ever said that. No, I, I, I no, nobody's say. ever said that. <laughs> 
pretty sure I bring my own food. Yep. <laughs> Nobody's ever said, man, that was really good day seven up on the mountain there. Yeah. Uh, no, that's one wherever I everybody's like, yeah, I'm going over here. I'm like, that's awesome. All right, so this is what you need to do. You need to bring about 10 to 12 pounds of food. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. Trust me, if you, do, <laughs> if you don't eat it, you can leave it, right? Just Just bring it over there to be safe. Because you never know what is going to happen when you when you get out of that truck and you leave civilization and start heading up the hill. You just don't know. Uh huh. Yeah. That's one hundred percent true. But, well, man, sure. thanks thanks for your time today. It's always awesome catching up with you. I'm sure I'll see you down at SCI and uh, Grand Slam Club this year to to see you in person. Yeah, for sure, man. Congrats on all the the hunts that you've done this year, and I always look forward to seeing what where's where's Mark next. Well, I, I've got I've got one more coming up here, and then uh, then a couple weeks off, and then I've got one trip in January heading heading to Mexico for a Mexican Texanus whitetail. Then I'll I'll, oh. I'll lock her down in February and March, and and don't have any filming plan there, and just be straight coaching girls basketball. Oh, there you go, man. Yeah, way to balance. I'm leaving with the hunting. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, Mark, I appreciate it, buddy. Yep, have a good one. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.